Good morning. Welcome to all those joining us for Likuti Halachas. Yoradeya Chelik Aleph. Hilchas Korcha Uksoyves Kaka. Halacha Gimel. Paragraph Vav. We dedicate today's learning for a complete Rafu Shalema for all those that need it, including Chaviva Chana Vazgalia, Yuspendel Vaskitaleya, Sorocho Vasyuspendel, Avivalano Vasyuspendel, Yehudis Vaschana, Chaya Brocha Vasperl, Yaakov Yehoshua ben Freindel Rechel, Shlemenissim ben Mazel, Avram David ben Chana, Hindachasa Vaschana, Gitgenendel Vasipoira, Shimon Eliezer ben Rochel, Idis Bas Miriam Brindel, Yehuda ben Soramaya, Chaim ben Rachel, Jonas ben Hilda, Shirat Voira Bas Miriam, Avigail Brocha Bas Shirat Voira, Soralea Bas Chavaliba, Boruch Mordechai ben Tali, David Lei ben Shena, Besoich Shar Choyle Yisrael. Rav Nosenzal, in this paragraph of just summarizes what we were learning in the previous year. Nimza she'ikar kol ha'avelus v'ha'hesbed chas v'sholem hurak b'shvil hadrasponim v'sholem. Based on what we were learning in the previous year, we realize that the main goal of the eulogy and the mourning for a person who passed away is to elevate, to restore the hadrasponim and the Sholem, which existed while the person was alive. As we spoke about this earlier, the Sholem between the Guf and the Neshama, the body and soul being united. Meaning, we want to try to once again draw the soul of this person who passed away back into the body. In order to achieve a higher level shalom than what existed during the lifetime of the person by the union of the body and the soul. Kanal, as we spoke about this in the previous year. Alkain, his hero Torah, Levli, Lisroit, Gufayalam, And it's for this reason that the Torah warns us not to scratch our body over a dead person. So as not to spoil and destroy the beauty of the body, which is the beauty of the face. We mentioned earlier that the face represents the whole body. You can recognize a person by their face. So the face is actually representative of the entire body. So by a person scratching the body, that's also considered damaging the hadrasponim. Because Rav Nosenzal emphasizes that the main focus in the Avelos and the Hesped is to restore this Hadrasponim and Sholem. Bechinas, as the Posik says, that Hashem says those who mourn the Churban Beis Hamikdosh, those that mourn the destruction of Yerushalayim, Hashem will replace their afer, their ashes, with pe'er, with beauty. And again, the term pe'er is similar to this hadrasponim. Vezeb paragrazayim, vezeb chinas isur korchalmes. And this is also related to the fact that we're not allowed to tear out our hair to express grief, grief over a person who passed away. Ki b'shas hu'avelus chas 
Because when we are mourning a person who passed away, that's a time when the moichen leave. Moichen means sechel, moichen means Hashem's light. As a result of the fact that we're in this state of mourning, we know the Gemara says that the Shekhinah will only associate with a person mitoich simcha, mitoich simcha shal mitzvah. So because mourning, the state of mourning, is, is a lessening of the simcha, it's a time of histalkus hamoichen, the moichen leave. Vasarois now the hair, the hair on the head, is referred to as the moisrois of the moichim. They are sort of an extension of the moichim, an excess that comes out of the skull. And therefore, when, when the Torah tells us, when we hear that at a certain point in time the moichen leave, it means they're leaving their usual place, they're leaving their usual keli inside the skull, and they're going more into the hair. So if at such a time a person will cut the hair, the person could damage these moichen, which at a time like this, the moichen are more in the hair than they are inside of the head. And therefore the person has to wait until the days of Avelis are over, the seven days, the thirty days, and then the moichen return inside the head, and then the moichen become purified and return to their proper place. They no longer remain in the hairs. The only thing that remains in the hair is the moisrei moichen, the excesses of the moichen. Then it's okay to cut the hair. Because then a person is supposed to take a haircut in order that the moisrois shouldn't take over the brain. The moisrois means excesses. Moisrois usually is associated with klipois and tumor that's found in the hair. And therefore it's important not to have excessive hair, excess hair, uh, other than by the beard, by the payas, but other than that, other places on the head, a person has to keep the hair limited. Paragraph Ches. This is something, a question that somebody had raised earlier in one of the previous shurim. What about a nazir? Based on what we're learning here, we'll understand why a nazir is not allowed to cut his hair. Because he has a certain crown, a certain holiness of Hashem on his head. Because of the holiness of his nazirus, this being a nazir is an act of a person wanting to sanctify himself. As a result of a Nazir taking a vow of Nazirus on himself, 
even the moisturites of the moichim, which are found in the hair, they also become holy. And therefore it's forbidden for the person to cut the hair, which is moisre moichim, until the days of Nazirus are, are completed. And then when the Nazirus period is over, the Nazir is supposed to cut his hair at the entranceway to the Oyal Moye. And we take that hair that's been cut and throw it under the, the fire, in the fire that's being used to cook the korbanos that the Nazir brings. Because when a person is a Nazir, his hair is holy. Because as a result of the Nazir taking this vow of Nazirus upon himself to make himself extra holy, what happens is even the moisroys of the moichen, even the hair is holy, and therefore it's not allowed to be cut until the period of Nazirus is over, and, and we have to take that hair and use it for a very holy purpose. Any questions? Morning, Rav Going back to the previous paragraph regarding the movement of the mochin at the time of Yistalkos, um, then the, the mourner, most of his mochin move into his hair. So that Rav clarified this dynamic of moving in and then moving out and then went to cut the hair again. Yes, the, it's the way Rav Nassim explained it. There are times the, the Sifre Kabbalah explain every morning, M-O-R-N-I-N-G, <coughs> Every, every time in the morning when a person wakes up, we receive a new flow of moichin. And the Sifrei Kabbalah explain exactly how that happens, what we have to do to make it happen, how it happens at during points during our tefillah. And if the person was up for chatzois, then it's even better. The Arizal has a whole, you know, the, the writings of the Arizal, the Priyetzchayim, the Shara Kavonis, <clears throat> there it explains this whole process of the moichen coming into a person, and when the moichen leave, for example, when a person goes to sleep at night, that's a time of histalkus hamoichen. And there are different levels of receiving moichen, different levels of the moichen leaving. <clears throat> One of the times when a person experiences a histalkus hamoichen is when the person is in a state of mourning. When, the, when somebody close to them, one of the seven close relatives passed away, then the whole family is in a state of Avelus. And Avelus implies histalko samuichin. And therefore, Rav Nassar says, where are these, where are these moichin nistalik into? And he explains their nistalik into the hair. And that's why this is especially a time when you're not allowed to cut the hair. Because the hair has these moichin in it. You're going to cut the, the hair, you're cutting the moichin. You could be damaging the moyach, the brain of the person. Therefore, we have to wait till this period of Avelis is over, has ended, and then the Moichen start coming back. They, 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 they leave the Sarois, and they go back inside the head, and now the Sarois are only Moisre Moichen, which can and should be cut, you know, at the right time. Thank you, Rav Sure. Now, Rav Sal goes into us another topic which is related to what we're learning about. This is a, an incredible story that appears in the Navi in Shmuel Beis. 
Viz, ah, ah, first he's going to mention another thing, and then he's going to go into that story. I'm sorry. Paragraph Tess. The Torah tells us that when the Jews were mourning over the passing away of Moshe Rabbeinu, there were 300 halachos that were forgotten. And Osniel ben Kenaz was able to retrieve, to remind Klal Yisrael of these 300 halachos, to bring it back. Rav Nosen Zal explains again, Ki avelus, hi because as the Sifrei Kabbal explain, Avelus means the Moichen leave to a degree. But afterwards they come back, and restoring the Moichen, when the Moichen come into a person, then that person's face is shining. Remember, Chochmas Odom Toir Ponov. Hadras Ponim, that's Hadras Ponim. Shehem Drushe Ubiure Hatoira, which another word for this Hadras Ponim, Rabbeinazal had said in chapter 28 in Likutim Ran, which this Haloch is based on, Rabbeinazal said, How does a person get this Hadras Ponim? Through Drushe Ubiure Hatoira, by studying and expounding the Torah. So again, these moichen left when the morning started, and they come back afterwards. How? How do, how do they come back? As a result of us fulfilling the mitzvahs of the Torah, going through the seven-day mourning period, and the 30 days, and the eulogizing of the person who passed away. <clears throat> as the Pesach says, Hine l'sholoim mar mar that in order to achieve the Shalom, in order to restore the Shalom, we had learned earlier when a person is living, they are an example of Shalom because the body and the soul are two major opposites. And when the body and the soul are united while a person is alive, that's a state of Shalom. Then Rav Nosson Zalat said, when a person passes away, the soul leaves. So that's a breaking of the Shalom. But then Rav Nosson Zal explained there are things that we could do to bring the light of the soul back into the body, such as by fulfilling the mitzvahs of Avelus and Hesped. By doing that, we bring back the soul to a degree. In a certain way, we shine the light of the soul back into the body to achieve a higher level of Shalom than was during the lifetime of the person. We had quoted the Pasuk, Yonuchu B'Shalom al Mishkavoy. In the beginning of the halacha. So Rav Nosson Zal says now, that by going through this marirus, this bitterness of the avelus, the shiva and the, the shloshim and the, the eulogy, we're zerche to this sholoim. And therefore, after the mourning p- period was over for Moshe Rabbeinu, Chozar Osniel vehechziron bepopuloi. Osniel delved into the Torah with pilpul. He really, really delved into the Torah deeply, and he was able to restore those three hundred halachas that were forgotten. Kiacharkach chazru venimshechu heoras hamoichen shenimshechu mimoish rabenu alavashon. Because after the mourning period was observed, 
Afterwards, that, those moichen that were drawn from Moshe Rabbeinu returned. Shehu bechinas hadrasponim v'sholem. That's this hadrasponim and the sholem. How? Alidei ho'avelus bi'atzmoi shehisablu alav. As a result of the Jewish people observing the avelus over Moshe Rabbeinu. Bebechinas hinei l'sholem mar. That how do you restore the sholem? Through the mar, through the bitterness and this Sholoim is also an example of this light of the face. Bechinas Halochois, Shehem Biure Vechidushe Torah. The, the Halochois are explanations and, and revelations of Torah, Shemislapshin Bemerirus, which cloak themselves in this mar, in this bitterness. So again, by observing that period of bitterness, the Avelus and the, and, the, and, the, and the Hesped, but this enables us, upon completion of that, to be able to restore the Sholem, the Hadrasponim, the Biure Torah. Now, Rav Nosenzal goes into this other topic, paragraph Yud. V'yalkein nenshu hazekenim al shaloi hispidu es Yehoshua. And this is also why the Gemara tells us that the elders of, of the generation of Yeshua were punished over the fact that they did not eulogize Yeshua properly. Kamayisham Rabbi Sainazal, as the Gemara says in Shabbos, page 105, the Pesach says, Yomim he'erichu, that the Zekenim at that time, they lived long days. But the Gemara says, Shonim loy he'erichu, they did not live long years. Kyalidei ha'hespet shalatzadik, because as we just learned, when a person, when we're to perform the proper eulogy for a tzaddik, through this we're to draw shalom through that merirus by exp- expressing how bitter, how pained we are at the loss of this tzaddik. And we learned earlier that life is an example of shalom between the soul and the body. And therefore, because the zikenim of the generation were lazy in a sense, they didn't fulfill properly eulogizing Yehoshua, pogmu b'shalom v'chayim. They were pogim, they messed up the shalom and the life. And as a result of that, they did not live long life. And this also explains the story that appears in Shmuel Beis, chapter 21, where the Torah tells us there was a major famine during the time of Dovr HaMelech, and this famine was because of Shol HaMelech and the House of Blood. And the Gemara in Yevamis, page 78, asks, what is this all about? And the Gemara explains, the Gemara says, first, Dovid Amelah thought maybe it's because of Avodah because it says by Avodah that if you'll worship idols, v'otzar ha-shamayim v'lo motor, Hashem will withhold the rain, there'll be famine. And they investigated and they saw, no, the Jews are not worshiping idols. Then he thought maybe it's because of Pigam Abris, Arayos, and the Gemara says they investigated and they saw, no, the Jews are okay in that area. 
Then he thought maybe it's because they made pledges for charity which they didn't fulfill. And the Torah tells us there also the result will be famine, lack of parnosah. And they saw also that that wasn't the case. So the Gemara says that David Amel said, and I guess it's, it's related to me, to the Malchus. <clears throat> and he went and made an inquiry in the Urim Vetumim, and, and it was revealed to him that the reason for this famine was because of Shol Hamelech and Beis Hadomim, which means two, two, two problems. Number one, Shaloi Hispiduhu Koroi, that they did not properly eulogize Shol Hamelech, and number two, Val Asher Hemis Hagivoinim, and also because of the fact that Shol Hamelech brought about the death of the Givoinim. As the Gemara says over there in Yuvamas, Ba'asher Mishpotoi Shampoalu. That even though, <coughs> even though this doesn't seem so logical, that in the same breath we're saying that they didn't show the proper respect to Shol Hamelech, they didn't give him a proper eulogy, and then we're mentioning a sin that Dovan did a terrible thing that he brought about the death of the Givoinim. And the Gemara explains over there because these Givoinim, Yeshua, had, had made them into water carriers and wood choppers. And they actually served the Koyhanim at that time who lived in the city of Noiv. Noiv era Koyhanim. Remember, this is before there was a Beis Hamikdash. There was a Mishkan. There was a Mishkan in Shiloi. And from Shiloi, it moved to Noiv. Noiv, the city of Koyhanim. And when Shol HaMelech was chasing after Dovar HaMelech to kill him, because he understood that Dovar HaMelech is going to take over his kingdom, Doyeg HaDoimi told Shol HaMelech that the, the Kohanim in Noiv were supportive of Dovar HaMelech. They were supporting the rebellion of Dovar HaMelech against Shol HaMelech. So Shol HaMelech gave instructions to kill all the Kohanim in, Noiv, in, in the city of Noiv. And sure enough, the Doyeg HaDoimi went ahead and, and they murdered the Kohanim there. And these Kohanim were the source of Parnassah for these Givoinim. So by taking away their source of Parnassah, it was considered as if he killed them. So again, this is a crime that Shol HaMelech was guilty of. And number two, number two, that they didn't eulogize him properly. So the Gemara says, one minute, you're telling me he, he did a crime and you tell me he didn't? So the Gemara says, Ba'asher mishpotoi that the Torah sometimes places a judgment, it places both things together. Number one, that the Jews were being judged for not eulogizing Shol HaMelech properly, and Shol HaMelech was judged over the fact that he, he acted improperly regarding the Givoinim. But now Rav Nosenzal says, based on what we're learning here, we see the connection between both things. These two items are connected to each other. Shol HaMelech brought about the death of the Givoinim. What this really is saying is, that Shol HaMelech was not willing to lower himself, to go down to the lowest levels. These water, these Gerim, the Givoinim, were Gerim 
were, were Geirin, who had come up with false pretenses originally. They lied about where they came from, a whole story when they came to Yeshua, and then it was discovered. And therefore, they were made the lowest, they were given the lowest position in Klal Yisrael, the woodcutters and the, and the water carriers. So they represent these, the, the Jews, the people who are on a very low level. By Shaul HaMelech cutting off their source of livelihood, it shows that Shaul HaMelech wasn't willing to go down to them and lift them up, elevate those people who have fallen, who are distant from Hashem. To lift all of them up and bring them close to Hashem. Because the Gemara says in Brachas, Shaul HaMelech was the chosen one of Hashem to be the first king of Klal Yisrael. And the Gemara tells us Shaul HaMelech was a tremendous tzaddik, that throughout his, the, his reign, he was like a one-year-old baby without any sin. And the Gemara asks, if that's the case, why is it that his kingdom did not survive, that his kingdom was cut off? Him and his son Yonason were killed the same day, and the kingdom was taken out of their family and transferred to the family of Dovid HaMelech. And the Gemara says in Yuma, page 22, because Shaul HaMelech did not have any black stains, any negative marks in his background. And in order for a person to be a Manig Yisroel, he has to have some baggage. He has to have some skeletons in his closet, that's the expressions that we use, so that if he ever is feeling arrogant, we can remind him, hey, you're not 100% perfect yourself. And Sholomar had no doifi, which means in a certain sense he was perfect, perfect. And that's part of what made it difficult for him to lower himself, to go down to the lowest levels, and to lift all of them up to Hashem. Even those who are furthest away, and carry them, and elevate them, like a, like a, a woman, a, a, a woman who helps a, a, another woman in birth as he, she carries a baby, the small baby. And as the Pasuk says in Yechezkel, Hashem says, I will give the Jewish people a shepherd like, like my heart. He will seek the lost souls. He'll seek those who are far away, seek to bring them close. And that's why the kingdom was taken away from Shaul HaMelech and given to Dovr HaMelech. Dovr HaMelech was especially, especially involved in this type of work. To bring everybody close to Hashem. As the Gemara says, in speaking about Dovr HaMelech, the incident he had with Batsheva, the Gemara says, Dovr HaMelech was not a candidate for any kind of sin at all, especially any kind of pigama bris. Dovr HaMelech was only picked for this and only experienced this in order to serve as an example 
that anyone could do tshuva, even a yochid, even a person who is a king, and when he does something wrong, it's terrible, even he can do tshuva. And as the Pasuk says in Tehillim, chapter 72, Yochois al-dal he has pity on all the poor, the poorest of the poor people, and the souls of the poor people he, he saves, he helps them. A Jewish king has to have pity on the poor people, those who are furthest away from Kedusha. That's the real poverty when we talk about poor people. Because the Gemara says real poverty is poverty in Seichel. And because Shaul Melch was poigim in this, in not treating these lowly people properly, where the Torah refers to it as if, as if he murdered the Gevoinim. The Gevoinim represent and are symbolic of those people who are furthest away from the Kedusha. From the, the woodcutters and the water carriers, Moshe Rabbeinu was Mekarev all of them. And he brought every, all of them close to Hashem. As it says in the beginning of Parshas Nitzovim, You are standing here, all of you today, before Hashem. And it lists ten categories of people. Roshechem, Shivtechem, Ziknechem, Koilish Yisrael, Tapchem, Neshechem, Vegercha, Shebesharecha, Mechoit, Vetzal. Ten categories. The last two, number nine and ten, are Choite Vetzecho, Ad Shoyev Mimecho. Vishol, Shaloi Hishtate Lekari Vulhorm Eloi Mabrekois, whereas Shol Amelech, who was not involved in being Mekariv and elevating these low levels, Al Kenemar, Allah, therefore the Torah says about him, Al Asher Hemis is Hagivoinim, that he murdered the Givoinim. Vaideze Nenash, and because of this he was punished, Shiloh Nispad Kahalocha, that he wasn't eulogized properly, meaning, Shiloh Himshihu Heerosoi Lamato Kolkach Koroiloi, they weren't. They, they didn't draw the light of his nefesh, the light of his neshama down properly because during his lifetime he wasn't fulfilling this item properly of reaching out to those people who are far away from Hashem. And as a result of what he was being judged for, the, the mistake that he made in a sense with the Gevoinim, that resulted in the mistake of the Jewish people not eulogizing him properly. Because even though Shaul HaMelech had done something improper, still the people were punished for not eulogizing him properly. As the Pasuk says, There was a famine in the world, which is the opposite of peace. As Rabbein Israel writes in chapter 39 in Likud Imran, 
based on the Pasuk, Kamayish Kosov, Hasson Gevulech Sholoim Chelev Chitim Yasbiach. Hashem, who places peace, peace within your boundary, will feed you and satiate you from the fat of the wheat. So we see when there's shalom, there's, there's a tremendous flow of food. Famine implies lack of shalom. Because by eulogizing a tzaddik properly, we draw the light of his neshama back down. Reuniting the neshama and the body. And that's this peace. And Rabbi Nezal said in the beginning of chapter 28 in which this halacha is based on, that by, by, gener- by generating shalom in the world, that enables us to bring everybody close to Hashem. Because when there's peace, people can talk to each other. People are able to talk to each other. People are willing to listen to what the other person has to say. And we can convey closeness to Hashem. We can talk to each other about how to come close to Hashem. Questions? Rav Nassim, when we see in the story with Moshe Rabbeinu that he was, he wanted to bring in the Eruv Rab and then that was criticized for bringing him in too quickly. So like, even the Tzadikim, it seems, have this challenge of like not knowing when yes, when no, and and if so, how can we, you know, how can they be held responsible if it's not clear? The answer is that it is very delicate. This issue is very delicate. On one hand, it's the most important thing in Yiddishkeit to bring people close to Hashem. And if a person doesn't do it, Hashem holds it against them. And at the same time, like everything else, there's a certain middle of the road. That, that Rav Nassau explains in one of the places, quoting the Sifrei Kabbalah, that the Erev Rav were supposed to come close to Hashem, but it wasn't the right time yet. And this is one of the difficult tests that everyone has, including Tzadikim, timing, trying to push, trying to grab something before the right time. It's a very, very delicate, delicate issue, this issue. And we see even by Moshe Rabbeinu, this was an issue that Moshe Rabbeinu wanted so much to give Hashem kavod, and he knew that the greatest kavod would come from these people who were furthest away, the Erev Rav, but still, it wasn't the right time. It was too early. It wasn't the right time. We have the story with Micha, where, where Moshe Rabbeinu saw the Egyptians put a Jewish child into the wall to cement him into the wall. And Moshe Rabbeinu sees this, and he, he's crazy. And he's going not, and he waits till the Egyptian leaves, and he's about to run over to the wall to grab this child out, and he hears a baska that says, "Don't, don't." And Moshe Rabbeinu can't help himself; he can't stand by watching a Jewish child put to death like that. He grabs the child and saves him, and eventually, in the future, that child played a major role in causing the Egel Hazohov. So we see that this is—it is delicate. We know that Hashem's judgment is, is pure and good, and Hashem is loving and kind and wonderful. If, if to us it seems at certain times, like, why would Hashem punish him if this is... A, the answer is, Hashem knows what he... You know, lahagit ki yoshar Hashem, tzuri Hashem is yashar, no avel. Hashem knows exactly what he's doing. 
and, and Hashem's punishment is with tremendous, tremendous kindness. You know, no question about it. But this is definitely one of the most delicate issues in Yiddishkeit, being Makariv people and knowing who yes, who not, and when, and how quickly. We had yesterday, yesterday was Shabbos. Yesterday we read Parshas Vayishlach, and there Yaakov Avinu says to Esav, Esav says, let me join, let me, uh, come with me. No, no, I don't want to come with Let me send one of my guys with you. No, I don't want one of your guys. And Yaakov Avinu says, because I'm going to be traveling slowly, because I have all of these ladies and kids, and Rav Sal points out over there that these words are written in the Torah as a tremendous message for us. That even though a major character trait in Yiddishkeit is Zrizus, a person is supposed to run, run to shul, run, 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 to serve Hashem, a person also has to know that there's a time for hamtain, the ability to wait till it's the right time. And if a person doesn't wait till it's the right time, chas v'shem, there's, there's terrible things that come out of it. Also, with another question regarding Shalomach, how do we understand that he was this big tzaddik? If, for example, it wasn't a secret that David Melech was supposed to be the next king, right? He was told this by Anavi, right? So, and he tried to murder David Melech. How do we understand that? The answer is we don't. We don't understand completely. Obviously, there's there's levels and levels of depth in this in Sifrei Kabbalah and other things in terms of what was going on over here. Because the Torah does make it perfectly clear that Shaul HaMelech is tzaddik. So it's not like it appears to us on a simple level that there's jealousy here, you know. It's not that simple. Here there was Shaul HaMelech obviously understood that there was tremendous importance to his being king and his son Yonason being king. And, and Shaul HaMelech, there, there were certain things that drove him to this melancholy, to this state of loss of simcha, and that drove him to, to do these things. He had bad advice from doye Doimi and, and all kinds, there were a lot, a lot of factors involved. So, on one hand, the Torah makes it perfectly clear he's a tzaddik. On the other hand, Rabbein Ezzel said that, that uh, the, I disagree with the world in certain things. There are people that say a tzaddik cannot make a mistake, and if the tzaddik makes a mistake, he's no longer a tzaddik. And Rabbi Nezal said, I disagree with both. A tzaddik can make a mistake. And after he makes a mistake, the tzaddik is a tzaddik and the mistake is a mistake. You know, it doesn't, doesn't, he doesn't forfeit that title tzaddik necessarily. So when does a person, Chas Hashem, fall into the carry of Russia? Is it Kabbalah like we were talking about Ex- earlier? Ex- exactly. The case of Koirach, for example, there it's something completely different. There the Torah points out it was gaiva, it was arrogance, it was a, a clear disrespect to Moshe Rabbeinu, a rebellion against Moshe Rabbeinu and Arakoyan that came as a result of jealousy and all, all kinds of jealousy and gaiva. That's a case where he's termed a Russia. And even there we're told that in the end he will have a tikkun, that Moshe Rabbeinu is going to affect the tikkun for him. A question in the chat, there's an explanation that Shaul HaMelech lost his kingdom because he had spared Agag, the king of Amalek. How can it be that the, the se- second explanation is that he lost the kingdom because he was too perfect? We, we didn't say that this was the reason why he lost his kingdom. We said that this is why he wasn't eulogized properly. 
This is why he didn't have the proper respect shown to him when he passed away of receiving a proper eulogy. That's what it is. The kingdom was taken away from him because he didn't wipe out all of Amalek like he had been commanded to. Now Rav Nosenzal is going to give us a, an incredible, clear, beautiful insight regarding the holiday of Purim and how it's related to this chapter in the Kutimaran, chapter 28, that this halacha is based on. Paragraph Yudalif, V'zeh Bechinas Purim. Everything we're learning about over here is also related to the holiday of Purim. Ki Iker Hu because one of the most important things in life and in Yiddishkeit is Sholem. Ki bevadai bechol doer nimtsoem tzadikim amitim ukshirem amitim. Because it's 100% definite that in every single generation there are true tzadikim. There are really religious people. Ki ein doer yosem. Because there's no such thing as a generation that's completely orphaned. And each and every single true tzaddik in his generation definitely has the ability to get everyone to do tshuva. And the main obstacle to this is the machloikis, the opposition that exists in every single generation against the true tzaddik of the generation, the leading tzaddik of the generation. As we find this to be the case throughout all the generations, going way back, there was always major opposition against the true tzaddik of the generation. And the main opposition is usually against the true tzaddik who's involved in bringing people close to Hashem, those who are far from Hashem. All of Mizgaber HaMachloikis Yoiser V'Yoiser against that tzaddik the Satan wages major war. There's major, major opposition that he experiences. Kemoshom Rabbeinazal, as Rabbeinazal writes in chapter 228 in Likutim Ran, that Yaakov Avinu sat down. He wanted a rest. He wanted to take it easy. Be'eretz Megure Aviv, and then starts the whole problem with Yosef HaTzadik and his brothers. So the Gemara says, Bikesh Yaakov Leishe B'Shalva. Yaakov Avinu wanted to take a rest. He had finished with Lavan, he had finished with Esav, he went through so much difficulty, he wanted to retire, he wanted to relax a little. Now starts the whole Parsha with Yosef HaTzadik and his brothers. This happens to be this week's Parsha now, that we read yesterday, Shabbos at Mincha, and we're going to be reading tomorrow, Monday and Thursday in Shabbos. And as we find was also the case in all previous generations, even before Yaakov Avinu. Avram Avinu was involved in outreach, in, in bringing converts close to Hashem. 
And Avram Avinu had major opposition throughout his entire life. When Nimrod threw him into a fiery furnace, and when Avram Avinu arrived in Eretz Yisroel and there was a famine, Amru, the people said, that the famine is because of this guy. Kemuva Bemedrush, as the Medrush says, Sha'amru al Avraham Bishvil Hamin Hazeh Shaboy Lenu Naserov. It's because of this Apikoris, this atheist, this guy who doesn't believe in idols, because of him this famine has come. And Yitzchak Avinu had all the opposition from the Pelishtim. Ubifrat Yaakov Avinu, and especially Yaakov Avinu, Sherodfu Oisei Lovon, the Esav, Vahoyolov Sinoi Sumachloikis Kol Yomov. He was persecuted by Lovon and Esav, and he had hate and opposition throughout his whole life. Vechain Dovramelachov Asholoim, Sherobu Olov Hamachloikis Moid Moid Kol Yemechayov. And so too, Dover HaMelech, who had major opposition against him throughout his life. Mishol HaMelech, Olav HaSholim, from Shol HaMelech, V'doyeg, V'achitoifel, V'sheva ben Bichri, V'chol HaUmais, Chol Ko'olav, and all the nations were against Dover HaMelech, all the other nations. V'hoyeloim Elchomois, Rabois, Kol Yomav, he was constantly fighting battles throughout his whole life. And this is actually what happens in Klal Yisroel in each and every generation. And even against Moshe Rabbeinu, there was major machloikis, opposition, as the Pesach says, that when Moshe Rabbeinu would leave the people, they would look after him, they would watch closely. And the Gemara says in Sanhedrin, that they were suspicious of Moshe Rabbeinu, that he was committing sins with married women. And each person was jealous towards his own wife from Moshe Rabbeinu, suspecting that maybe, because Moshe Rabbeinu was teaching Torah to the whole Klal Yisrael, so there was interaction with men and interaction with the women, and they all, they was all suspected Moshe Rabbeinu of, of false play with their wives. V'chein machloikes koirach v'dosan v'aviram, v'chein al yeshaya yirmiya v'shar neviyim v'alshar tzadikim, hoyotomid machloikes godol b'chol dor v'dor, and so to regarding all of these tzaddikim, they always had this major opposition in every generation. And this is the main obstacle that does not allow a tzaddik in his generation to be able to bring all the people to tshuva. Because if all the Jews were at peace with the tzaddik, and they would realize and believe that he is a true tzaddik, and he really wants their eternal good, their eternal success, then everyone would definitely come close to the tzaddik and listen to his true words.
and the tzaddik would speak to their hearts, and explain to them the truth about Hashem, about the Torah, and the tzaddik would give each and every single person good advice as to how to come close to Hashem. And as a result of this, the entire world would definitely do tshuva, come back to Hashem. However, unfortunately, because of the machlokis in every single generation, the people don't hear and don't listen to the words of the tzaddikim. And even when they do hear something incredible from the tzaddik, it doesn't really enter into their hearts at all. And they work to try to, to, to destroy the words of the tzaddik and to reject it, not to allow it to go into their hearts. So we see here that one of the main things that's causing people to be distant from Hashem and not to be able to come close to Hashem is this lack of Sholem. Rav Nelson Zal continues, paragraph Yudbeis, Because one of the main things in serving Hashem is Sholem. And this is the main reason why Hashem created man, because man is a combination of matter and form. Knows again, the body and the soul. The body comes from the lowest places, from earth, and the soul coming from the highest places. They're two opposites. And when a person follows their heart's desires, then there's the opposite of peace. There is no peace inside of me because of my sins. Whereas when a person takes control of their body and they, they, they make the body be negate itself to the neshama, be subservient to the neshama, that's this piece, this is a proper piece between the soul and the body. And by a human being serving Hashem, doing mitzvahs and maizim he attaches all of the worlds to Hash- together to Hashem. Dore mala v'dore mata, the highest places and the lowest places. And he brings about a peace among all the different worlds. And even among all the opposites. Because he attaches all of them together to Hashem. That's the real Shalom. We'll hold it over here for now. Rav Nosenzal is going to go into more explaining and showing clearly how we human beings are the 
the essence of Sholem and, and what happened as a result of the Eight Sadas, and then to tie this back to the holiday of Purim and clarify what went on with Homon and Mordechai and Esther, etc. We should be zeichet to this Sholem so that the Tzadikim Amitim can reach everyone that they want to reach and bring about the Igulah Shlema. Amen to Amen.